With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And what's up, what's up? Welcome in. Monday edition of GC Live. I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark coming at you at 1 o'clock here in the afternoon. Still, I would say... uh, focusing in on exactly what time we're going to do the show moving forward and hope to sort of lock down an official uh, time for, for that where you guys can get in a little bit of a routine. But still want to make sure we, we knocked out a show today, and obviously here we are. We're going to do it. Uh, of course, GC Live brought to you by our good buddy Clint Hammond of Mortgage Network. He is our presenting sponsor. Check him out, mortgagenetwork.com slash Clint-Hammond. And you can check him out. Give him a call, 803-771-6933, or just hit him up, Hammond at mortgagenetwork.com. Outstanding time to buy a house. Outstanding time to refinance your house. Interest rates have honestly never been lower. So just give Clint a shout. Tell him that Gamecock Central sent you, and um, he'll be sure to take care of you. Appreciate Clint being our presenting sponsor here on the show. Chris, do we dare say things have finally settled in just a little bit. Dude, I was just thinking about that. I thought you may go in that direction. Um, I was telling somebody on the phone earlier because I had time to make a phone call that wasn't searching for some type of information that, you know, we, we have just been sort of like treading water, trying to keep our heads above water. And now I was actually able to, my desk is clean. I've been able to catch up on some stuff. I'm going through cleaning out contacts. I mean, I'm doing like some housekeeping stuff today for work as opposed to just drowning today. So that's been, it's been really different, but it has settled a little bit. And now it's, uh, we're just shifting gears a little bit, I would say, with, with what we're doing right now. Yeah, no doubt. And really, Chris, hope, hope that we can start to maybe have some guests here on the show and yep. sort of, shift gears from talking about exactly what's happening, which it's been, it's been easy to do the show, honestly, as far as not easy, as far as the time available, but easy as far as content, because there's been something new pretty much every day, whether it's been a coach being hired or a coach leaving, honestly, um, you know, for for the last year, it feels like, but really the last couple of months. So I appreciate everybody hanging in there with us. Appreciate everybody joining us. I see, the some of the degenerates are here. I know by that a little bit of a time uh, time change. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, still some people see that we're we're live and, and can can hop on and, and join us. And definitely want to take your questions. Maybe a little bit shorter of a show today, but still want to make sure we knocked it out. Um, dude, there is a ongoing trend of South Carolina former Gamecocks making the Super Bowl every single year. I think this is the ninth in a row maybe that uh, that South Carolina had somebody in. You have Rashad Fenton, 
making it again, second straight year. He had an interception yesterday off a tip ball. Uh, Chris Lamonds was activated off of the practice squad, so he was able to participate in the AFC Championship. You got old Ryan Suckup, who's been in the league now for like 17 years, it feels like, uh, kicking the ball very well. Uh, you know, as always, he's turned into just a consistent pro. Glad he's able to, you know, get out there and, and, and make it to the big dance. And then um, Kobe Smith, former Gamecock, who I, I think they missed Kobe Smith this past season about as much as anybody on that defense, honestly, just being a steady inside presence for the defensive line. He is on the practice squad for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Buccaneers who make it to the Super Bowl in year one of the Tom Brady era in Tampa. Um, did you get to watch the games last night, man? Yeah, man. I caught, I caught most of both of them, shockingly. Uh, another sign that things slowed down a little bit for us. Don't take that to me. People – I hope people don't start start asking us. Oh, what do you? Y'all must not have anything going on right now because it's going to drive me insane. But uh, but no, I, I was able to actually take some time, sit down, watch a little football yesterday. So that was really good. Two really good games. Um, didn't watch as much of the second one. It did obviously get a little bit away from Buffalo, but the the early one was excellent. Called a few minutes of the other one. Yeah. So. Obviously, some, some Gamecocks make it again, as I said. And, you know, Fenton, Fenton and, and that uh, Chiefs defense, um, he's managed to hang around and, and get into the league and, and stick in the league a little bit. And um, I was actually surprised at, I you know, I think of the Chiefs as being an offensive-oriented team, obviously. And, you know, their, their defense, I thought, played very, very well against the Bills and sort of, uh, kept the Bills' offense from getting going for most of that game, and, and they played they played you know great excuse me great red zone defense. I thought was the difference maker in that game for um, for the Chiefs, but but very happy for those guys uh, who are getting to go. And, and it's just it's been a trend. Like I said, it, it seems like you're having guys in all three major sports really do well in the playoffs as far as making it to, you know, you, you look uh, a couple of years ago, Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, you know, you, you look at um, South Carolina had a World Series MVP and Steve Pierce. You have, um, you know, um, guy in, in the NBA, you had, um, seems like there was a former game guy that went far uh, this year as well. So um, you, you've had guys do extremely well at the professional level. And, um, you know, I, I think you that, that's good for South Carolina athletics. Obviously, fans want to see some wins um, as far as the football program goes. But, but it is something that we consistently see South Carolina push uh, as far as on their social media for recruiting purposes. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, that's something that they're going to push. I mean, any any angle, any perceived edge – you know, you're going to push. And it's been really funny, Wes, and sort of interesting to see uh, even fans of some particular schools or some rival schools uh, definitely sometimes push back against those things. I saw some people got a little irritated that South Carolina put out a graphic mentioning that. of like, well, are we stooping to this level or whatever? But look, guys, I mean, you, you sell thing, your job as a program and your social media, you're supposed to use it as a program to try to tout your program. And so 
no matter when it happened or which coaches or what the sort sort of era was. I mean, you tout what you can tout, right? You so you tout on your coaching staff, you tout facilities, academic accomplishments. Yes, the Super Bowl thing. I mean, it was that under Shane Beamer or something? No, it wasn't. But it does illustrate to people, hey, you can go to South Carolina, you can go make it to the pros, you can go play in the Super Bowl. Um, because some people on the recruiting trail may say, you can't go do that if you go to South Carolina. You have to go to this school or that school. Um, we know that's not true. So that's something that they're going to tell. Another example, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, uh, you know, when he got to Texas, I think Texas put out a graphic, you know, congratulating uh, Devontae Smith basically <laughs> for, for winning the Heisman and because of the Sark connection. So people were saying congratulations, Texas, for your Heisman Trophy winner. You know, things like that. But, look, th- this is what happens. And, um, you know, if, if you're a program, if you run social for a program, you know, you're going to tout the accomplishments that are related to said program for recruiting purposes. That's what, for these schools, that's what social media is all about. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Chris, you kind of have to. And really, if if somebody has a problem with it, you just sort of have to ignore them because I I think, honestly, if every program would be doing that, uh, I think that you look and if you're Texas and your guy is calling plays on the national championship in the national championship game and the announcers are talking about how great, um, you know, how, how great the offense looks and stuff like that. I mean, did Texas win the title? Obviously not. But are you going to point it out? Hey, our, our, this guy we're bringing in is outstanding, um, you know, as, as far as an offensive mind goes, as far as the offense he's put together at Alabama. Yes, because you want people to think, oh, that can be recreated at, at your school. So, yes, it, it can be annoying. Um, I, I think very – could be very annoying for opposing fans, but right. you got to think your 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 school would be doing the same thing. I, yeah. I think so. Um, yeah, not. I don't. I don't have an issue with any of that stuff, even though it does it does get taken to a it does get taken probably a little bit far far. But that that's recruiting, man. It's it's all sales, honestly. And you, you're anything you can sell for your program. Um, you know, you you certainly are going to do it. Uh, yeah, let's hit the chat here quickly. Um, yeah, Craig, I I saw something about that on Twitter that Sandarius Stormwell um, had a loss in his family. Um, it looked like, yeah, it was his brother maybe. Um, so certainly have Sandarius. And then, um, wow, it looks like Wade, um, Craig, and John all have gone through something similar in the last year so. Um, definitely thoughts and prayers sent to all of you um, that have, have gone through that, man. I know, I know it's tough and um, feel, I feel like I know y'all cause I haven't even met y'all in person. So certainly let us know if we can do anything for y'all there. Uh, Chris, as far as what's going on in, in Gamecock nation right now, really hard to believe that this, the next signing day is a week from Wednesday. And yeah. You know, I, I think that the big storyline there for South Carolina right now, and probably a lot of a lot of schools really, is just the the lack of numbers available. And right now, I, I think, you know, there's been some discussion about what the actual number is. 
I think we're accurate in saying that it's five. And then if you take the St. Francis kids, add the St. Francis kids to the mix, that cuts it down to three. Um, not real, you know, you, you look, so on, on Wednesday, South Carolina will sign Colby Fields, who basically is committed but is not signed yet. Um, they'll officially announce and sign TJ Sanders. And then if I remember correctly, Isaiah Norris, actually they announced him after he committed, even though he committed later in the process. So he had technically already signed. So that won't be a new signee on, on next Wednesday as well. Chris, I'm guessing they'll announce the transfers that have joined the program since just almost as like, pop and circumstance basically like just for show um beamers already talked about them in a press conference setting but i'm guessing they'll announce those guys and then really you literally only have space to add five five guys and uh two of those would be potentially the saint francis guys yeah and and then beyond that you know it the question becomes okay does South Carolina hold a spot or two or, or, you know, whatever. Is it one spot? Do they hold, th- you know, all three? I mean, we, we don't really know yet. It, it seems like as we get, you know, with that being, you know, like you said, a week from Wednesday, um, they're probably going to be in position where they can sign another player and another couple players on signing day. But we don't know for sure. I mean, Wes, is there one guy out there that you say, out of uncommitted targets, right, or out of a transfer target that may be in the portal, South Carolina is 100% going to sign this guy a week from Wednesday. I mean, I can't think of one. Now, are there some possibilities? Yes, there's some possibilities. You look at a couple of junior college linebackers, maybe a portal guy pops up, look at a wide receiver like Jordan Mosley out of Alabama. I mean, there are some possibilities um, but we know that with the three spots left, South Carolina is going to be really selective. Obviously, they have some priorities that they want to hit. Um, and then you may be looking at a situation, depending on how things go, where it's best available player. But one thing you got to consider, man, is the transfer portal has obviously big, been big for South Carolina. Five guys, I guess, out of the portal that are already enrolled back in January or earlier this month in January um, to be able to go through spring practice. And so the thing about the portal is it, it may not necessarily end. I mean, there may be some guys that go in it today. There may be go, some guys that go in it two weeks from now, maybe some guys after spring practice. So for South Carolina, do you want to keep yourself flexible? Do you want to not lock in all your spots? Do you want to have a spot or two to play with just to see what happens later? That is possible. And maybe that happens by virtue of South Carolina just saying, ah, we sort of like this guy from junior college or high school, but we'd really like to save these spots. Maybe they miss on a guy or two um, down the stretch, and, and it opens up like that just uh, almost by a happy accident to, to steal a Bob Ross term. Um, but, um, so I, I don't know you know, exactly yet how it's going to play out, man. And, that, and so there is some intrigue sort of going into these next, uh, what, 10 days or so. T wants to know, uh, will all of our 25 spots be taken and we'll have to use 2022 slots for summer transfers? Yeah, that, that's a very real possibility, T. Um, now, now, my understanding, Chris, is that now, now part of this, what one of the 
I would say th- one of the things you have to do or one of the qualifications um, requirements, I should say, to count them forward is that they're a non-recruited athlete. And some, some of that is actually that you don't take an official visit. Well, right now, you know, there haven't been any official visits. So you don't really have to worry about that requirement. Now, assuming recruiting gets, you know, gets turned back on at some point, you know, in-person visits, maybe that does become a factor in the spring and in the summer. But if you're going to push guys forward, doesn't it have to be all the way to August, right? Like you have to wait for the guy to enroll um, in August, Chris? Yeah, I think it's because of the the start of that that certain semester and sort of when they get on the books, you know. So that's what we've seen. Best recent example of it, Kai Kroger and Mitch Jeter, you know, who were both like in the 2020 class, but were counted forward to 21. They're one of they're two of the four guys that count from the current roster or past year's roster, last year's roster to the 2021 class. And so uh, what what you saw them do is they committed to South Carolina, right? But they didn't sign at that time. Uh, they didn't take an official visit. The coaches didn't go visit them on the road. As you said, Wes, you can't do either of those things right now anyways. Um, and then they went ahead and they just uh, went on scholarship in August. I think that's the technical part of the rule is that they can't go on scholarship until the fall semester. I think technically they could arrive earlier if they wanted to on campus, but they don't go on scholarship until – you know, August when you're getting into preseason camp when fall classes start um, on campus. And that's sort of – that's called the the blue shirt rule. It's another – you know, you got gray shirt, red shirt, blue shirt. That is the blue shirt rule, and it's one of the remaining ways that you can sometimes skirt around um, those rules. Now, it can be a little hard to do. You're not going to be out here blue shirting five-star guys – typically because you're going to need to get them in on an official visit. You're going to need to have gone and visited them on the road and have that face-to-face contact. So um, it's for certain circumstances and situations in recruiting. Yeah. Well, I think, I think what we see it most applicable would be like we talked about with the specialists, as you said, guys that aren't necessarily, you know, as highly recruited, or you can see it with transfers just because, you know, their, their process is taking place late, you know, maybe there's a transfer after the spring and you could possibly get away with asking them to wait a little bit. Cause that, I mean, but technically you, I, I think the, the kickers for them to go ahead and be on campus, they technically had to come in as walk-ons and then, so they they technically were walk-ons in the middle of the summer. And then once the semester starts, you put them on scholarship they still count as your initial counter because it's within two years, but you can count them for your 2022 class as opposed to your 2021 class. In this case, in their case last year, it was counting towards the 21 class as opposed to the 2020 class. So that's sort of how that would work. Now it can hurt you. You know, it's, it's more ideal for one, you ultimately have to spend that scholarship anyway. So you're hurting yourself in this instance, for the 2022 class, taking away a spot. Also, you may have one school saying if everything else is equal and a school has a scholarship versus maybe South Carolina doesn't, the other school may say, hey, man, you can come right now. Yep. 
go ahead, get, you know, get in our strength and conditioning program, start learning our offense or defense, and start getting settled in. If you're South Carolina and you don't have one, and you're saying, hey, you got to wait till August, or hey, you got to pay your way for the first month, it's a disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah, it can it can be. And that's why, you know, that's why I was alluding to earlier. You're not going to be doing this for these big time prospects that you're beating a bunch of schools on, the types of guys that you're going to need to have more of than not. Right. But for specialists, for transfers, for, you know, certain guys that maybe go under the radar a little bit, you know, it can happen. You look at, you know, South Carolina's situations last year, two specialists. Right. And then you had Prentice, you know, who originally walked on as a transfer. Um, and was a guy that certainly contributed to the team last year. And then Jalen Brooks, who also transferred um, later, you know, before the season started. So, um, you know, th- those were, you know, a few different situations. You're not going to see this apply to a whole, a whole, whole lot of guys, but it's a rule that can be helpful. But also you got to remember that, you know, those four sp- slots are four slots that Shane Beamer and his staff do not have to play with in this class because um, of, you know, of them having to count somewhere, and they counted to this class. I mean, I, I, I think ultimately we've talked about this. Ultimately, you want to get away from that, I think, in an ideal world. Now, right now, you, you may be forced to, to do it, and you're, you're need, you, know, you need all hands on deck. Anybody that can help you, um, you almost have to bring them in. But ultimately, you want to bring in a class of the current class that's full and – you know, the current class for that given year, I should say. And you want it to be mostly high school guys, I think. You'd love yeah. to have a class of 25 where you got 21, 22 maybe high school kids and then maybe three or four transfers or JUCOs or just people to help fill out the roster in a perfect world, I, I think. Because you, you keep pushing them forward, you're always going to be short you know, on scholarships that, that following year. And, and we see, dude, they always fill up fast. No matter how small a class is when it's sort you know, we see these classes fill up at different rates, but even, even when a class looks small early on, there's always that little stretch where South Carolina gets five, six, seven guys pretty quickly in a row. And then that's, that's a big portion of your class so that they do fill up pretty quick. Um, John asked if Jordan Birch and Marshawn Lloyd are locked up. Yes, Chris, I, I would say that's not even really something that we've, we've had to track much of. I mean, Marshawn Lloyd, we've both heard independently for some time now. He's locked in. He's one of the team leaders, actually. Going to be a huge part of this offense next year. And then I think that was only – confirmed by the fact that he's out here recruiting Debo Williams to come join him. Um, Jordan Birch, the fact that Mike Peterson remained on staff, uh, the guy who I never thought got enough credit for, for his job recruiting Jordan Birch. Um, Mike Peterson is going to remain with the edge players, which means he'll remain Jordan Birch's coach and Eric Kimry being added to the staff as well. I, I think all those things lead to Jordan Birch and Marshawn Lloyd, um, definitely remaining at South Carolina. Yeah, totally agree. I, th- I think you broke it down quite well. And I mean, Marshawn Lloyd's just a different type of dude. I mean, he could, he could have in the transition entered the portal and called up about anyone and had a spot instantly, you know, but 
he he just that's just not who he is and he's he's stuck through it seems extremely happy like you said one of the leaders recruiting Debo Williams who he has ties to from Delaware the Jordan Birch I mean you know if Mike Peterson had gone somewhere else we might attracted a little bit more just because of that connection there um, but there there were never any serious indications that he was thinking about leaving he's happy um, he's close to some of the younger D linemen on the team Taka Hemingway for instance I mean he's from not technically from Columbia, but has lived here for a few years from Florence originally. From Columbia, still has family here, still has family in the state. So um, everything added up and made sense for him to stay, and, and things seem to be going just fine with both of those guys. Less, um, and I know uh, Chris has got to do a 107.5 segment at 1.30. So if y'all want to con- continue to hear Chris's thoughts, uh, tune in to 107.5 here, and we'll give them a plug, I guess, here shortly. Um, that's part of the reason why we're having to cut it a little bit short, but we wanted to make sure to do a show. Chris, I know you had a little quick update on Bam Scott. He's one of these linebackers. I mean, really, as far as for, for Wednesday, I don't know, man. There's like five, six or so. There's not a ton of guys we're even closely tracking moving forward. But Bam Scott, great name for a linebacker, a Juco kid, one of those guys that we are tracking. Um, what's, what's your latest you're hearing on him? Yeah. So he's down to sort of a final three. It looks like Mississippi state, West Virginia, South Carolina, the three schools that have been in the mix there don't really have a great sense of where it may go. He says there's no leader, um, for South Carolina's part. Again, will the numbers play into it? We, we don't write as of this moment have a great idea of, you know, Hey, South Carolina is definitely going full bore here. I mean, that could be, or it could not be. We're not, quite sure about that yet they also have Joko Willis another Juco linebacker on the board as you said Wes spots project to be really limited so he's someone that we're still going to monitor and he is planning on signing on the third so we'll just have to see you know where things go the next 10 days or so and uh, hope to get more information on that as the day approaches yep so um you know I would say him Joko Willis Juwan Gaston that's one there's been some movement I, I think safe to say South Carolina had or has been the leader. The Auburn offer makes it more interesting. Something yeah. to track there, I think, with even though it's a late offer, how, how much is Auburn pushing? How bad do they want him? What are their numbers like? Every, everybody's going to be in a numbers crunch. Now, this is a kid, I think you look back, actually, um, Drew Hughes, who left, probably is – is as tied in as far as getting South Carolina involved here as anyone, because Juwan Gaston is from Drew Hughes' hometown, I think. And that was when they were in the middle of transitioning from one staff to another. And Drew Hughes was doing a lot of recruiting for South Carolina as far as um, finding guys that were out there. And Gaston is someone South Carolina jumped on. Chris, I think was very excited about the offer, very interested in the program. We'll see what the Auburn factor is here with him moving forward in general, tough to land guys from that state if Auburn wants them, but we'll see. Cause I do think he fits the, he sort of maybe fits the mold again. We'll see where he, where he is on South Carolina's board. We don't know, but he is a, he is a high school guy. He is a DB. I, I've sort of been told DB, if you take the St. Francis guys and go ahead and put them in the mix, maybe DB, linebacker, and maybe vet best available potentially are where you'd maybe look.
for those final three spots, either now or as we said later on. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he does certainly fit the bill. Gaston does a guy who can help you long-term, but could also help you short-term. And they need both, you know, defensive back. They need more numbers there. They need some more talent. They also need some guys that can help in the short term. And, and Gaston, um, what was it, 11 special teams touchdowns last year, Wes? So in one season. In one season. So really productive there, but also, you know, a talented player, defensive back. So could help South Carolina in a couple areas. So we'll we'll see where that one goes as well um, leading up to Wednesday. But South Carolina, from all indications, still very much in the race there. No doubt. All right, Chris, we're going to let you get out of here, man. Um, short show here today. But we're we're working on we'll, we'll have a guest I, I think on Wednesday we'll be working on that um, and uh, let's see Patrick real quick want to know if the analyst positions Drew Hughes replacement will be announced I, I think that could be coming pretty soon I, I think there's probably some movement there I think you'd probably want to keep an eye on that here pretty soon analyst stuff I'm not sure exactly but certainly as far as Drew Hughes replacement goes I, I think you could see that pretty soon. All right, y'all, appreciate the appreciate y'all joining in a little bit shorter show here. We'll be back on Wednesday. Hopefully we'll have a, a guest on the show. Uh, for Chris, I'm Wes. I uh, hope y'all have a great day, and we'll see you then. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.